0: Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, you belong here. And we hope that this word uplifts and inspires you in your daily life. Here's this week's message. Well, again, it's good to be back. It's good for us to come together. And uh, before we dive into today's message, um, as we pray, because I always think it's important for us to prepare our hearts, to posture our hearts uh, for what God wants to speak to us, uh, I want to have a special prayer for... um, All of our educators, our teachers, and whether you're in a role of administration, if you're a para, if you're a teacher in a classroom or online, uh, just my heart's been heavy for them. Uh, the last several months, as they are are trying to do the best they can to serve our children and our families. And I just know that it, it's taken a toll. I know it's been a difficult season, and I just think as a church community, as we're wrapping up the school year right now, uh, let's pray for them. Let's lift them up. And if you are connected, if you're here, because we know we have people in that in that career uh, that that's here in our church community, and we want to lift you up. If, if you're here, if you're in person with us, will you raise your hand if you are part of your educator? Okay, there's a couple of in here, okay? So look around, friends. If you're here, uh, look around, and I want you to just uh, extend a hand to those people near you as we pray for blessing, as we pray for grace during this time. If you're watching online, we're going to pray for you, but let's lift them up as we pray for them and our community and this service. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the many people, God, that that are helping educate our children, Lord. We know that there's been a lot going on in this last year and a half, Lord God, but we pray for a blessing, a favor upon them, extra grace as they wrap up the school year. We pray for God that you would help them in their homes and do their jobs well, Lord God. Not be distracted, Lord, but be focused because they care about education, Lord, and educating our families and kids. So we pray a blessing over them. God, we pray for this morning's message, Lord God, that Lord, we believe what your word says, that your word is living and active, that all Scriptures God-breathed and it's for our teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So we pray, God, that every heart will be open to what you want and what you have in store for us today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen, amen. amen. Well, we are kicking off a brand new series that that we're doing. It's called Make Room. Everybody say, "Make make room. Make room. See, it comes from this idea that I believe that God is setting us up for a time, for a season where he's asking us to make more room, more room for him, and I think more room for what he wants to do in our community, in the surrounding areas, through this church. And when I say this church, I mean you. I mean me. I mean us. And what does God want to do? And how do we make more room for him to have his way? I hope that that's your heart. I hope that's some, something that stirs up in you when you hear that, that God wants to do something more, something new, something fresh. And that's exciting news, and that's what I want to give you today. Is that is that that is what God's been stirring up in my heart, and I think that He's doing that so that He could stir up your heart. That God wants to do more. Now, I want to begin by by having you think back of an experience in your life where 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 maybe you underestimated the space that you were trying to fit something in. Anybody ever had that experience? You know, as we are going into Mother's Day, we have Mother's Day in two weeks, so, uh, so this is just your um, reminder right now. If you've got any mamas in your life, uh, you better get ready and prepare something good for her because Pastor Omar gave you two weeks to prepare, <laughs> all right? But I was thinking back of just uh, a, a time when uh, growing up at home and, and, uh, and, and a gift that we gave that, that we did for my mom is uh, my mom, she, she set her, um, her heart on this, this couch that she saw. That she, she, I remember uh, growing up, she just wanted this, this one particular couch and she just fell in love with it when she saw it in the showroom. And so my stepdad, he, he decided to bring that home to her. And I remember me being home and he says, hey, come on outside, let's help me get this couch in. And so I remember coming out and, and, and looking at this couch and, and I was looking at it and I was like, yeah, I don't think that's gonna work. <laughs> He says, sure it is. Sure, come on, help me pick it up. So, so we pick up this couch, and, and we're, we're trying to shove it into the house. And it, it was this real narrow doorway, and then you had to turn. And so it took us like probably a dozen different attempts with different angles. Have you ever been there? And you're just trying to, so hard to like get it in that space. And eventually, all of us were thinking, this isn't going to work. This can't happen. They're, they're, this isn't going to go well all of us except for my stepdad. He decided to not give up. He says, hold up, I got an idea. He takes off, comes back a couple minutes later with a sledgehammer and a saw, and decides that if I'm gonna make room for this, it's gonna fit. Instead of taking the couch back, he decides to take down a wall to extend our living room. I learned something about my stepdad that day. He's probably the most, most stubborn man or the most prideful man I've ever met. Some of you know people like that, right? Some of you are sitting next to somebody like that, right? (laughs) Just the tenacity just to not give up. I think we've all had moments like that where we've underestimated the room that we had for something. I think we've all been there. We've all taken time to, or made some mistakes to not, not measure well for the space that we needed. You know, there's nothing worse than being unprepared for moments like that. And I just, like I said, I really believe that God is asking us as a church community and as, as a person that's following after him, I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that God's doing something in you already. And, and he wants to confirm it today to say that he is going to do something new and he wants you to make room, to make room for what he has in store for us. Well, today's message comes out of the book of Isaiah. So you have your Bible with you. I hope there's still some paper Bibles here. I'm a big fan of the paper Bible. Uh, and I just believe that um, the book of Isaiah is a really important bi- uh, book, passage of, of scripture for us in, um, in, in, in the Bible. I, I think the, the prophet Isaiah of the Old Testament is probably one of the most referenced prophets in the new testament even jesus himself referred to the prophet isaiah's writings the most now as i teach today out of this book i want to be careful on how i preach through it now, i don't really want to explain why see the bible you may not know this but the bible if you haven't read through it right now i'm really excited because as a church we're going through the entire bible but as you read through the bible you need to understand that the bible is written in different genres there is historical narrative, which most of us are, are, are accustomed to learning and knowing, especially when a lot of messages come out of the gospel accounts, and, 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 and that's a genre. And, 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 but there's other ones. There's, there's books of wisdom and instructions. There's, there's books of poetry. There is apocalyptic literature, and there's also prophetic Books and, and I think that when you, when you read these, when you study these, when you go through them, I think that you have to understand the genre so that you can understand the true meaning behind it. I think it's important as we study the Bible, we understand that's where we start, to understand how the Bible is written and the context that written in. So when you read a prophetic book, I think it's vital to approach it with a bit of ca- conscience or caution, but a lot of context behind it. And I think the reason why is because when you read through pro- uh, prophetic literature, I think it's, it's very abstract at times. There's a lot of allegory, metaphors, and signs and symbols, and, and, and it's built in there and, and you have to study it out. So I think to get a full meaning of, a, of a, a passage of scripture this way, I think that you have to be willing to do a bit of research on your own. Get a good study Bible. Bible. Uh, look through it. And and I think this is important. Anytime we read through scripture is that you have to understand the time of history that it was written. You got to understand where where was it written and what was the circumstances that it was written under. You got to understand who the author was and who the original audience was. I think that's good for the, to answer those questions. Anytime you go in and unpack the Bible, start there. And then as you get there, as you start to study and do some research, then allow the context of that to start shifting your gaze on the nature and the character of God through what you're reading. that's important. And then you ask yourself, okay, how do I respond to this? How do I respond to it? Here, let me give you an example of, of when you're reading prophetic uh, literature here in the, in the Bible. See, there's, this most, there's a famous passage of Scripture in Isaiah that, that probably some of us have in our walls, in our house, or, or we just, we, we, we're very familiar with it. It's Isaiah 40, 31. Some of you could even say it with me. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love that passage, right? It's it's, it's something that comforts us, but in the context of of this whole verse, in the whole chapter, we have to understand that God was giving this to his people to comfort them because they were living under Babylonian captivity. And this passage, we understand, was not literal, right? They didn't just grow wings. But when we read this in the proper context, we see that God is promising the kingdom of Judah that he would free them in due time, in an appointed time, that he set aside an appointed time for their freedom. And he was declaring to them that they could have hope in him and that that would give them the strength to endure the current, current circumstance. That's the context. And what's cool is that on this side of history, we actually see God fulfill his promise. We see that he did release them from captivity. He did free them from Babylonian captivity 70 years after he gave them this promise. And so when we read it today, we understand that. And we can receive strength and we can anchor our faith. Didn't we talk about faith earlier? We can anchor our faith in the promises of God. By what? By the historical evidence of what happened, but also for the prophetic meaning. And it teaches us that we can rise above our circumstances when we put our full trust in the Lord. That's how we read it. That's, That's how we receive from it. That's how prophetic scripture will strengthen our faith today. See, I think it's important for us to understand this as well, is that when you read prophetic books of the Bible, you have to understand that there is a futuristic tone to it as well. right, some of us understand that. It's peppered with future predictions. You know, some in a short term, which is exactly something like this, where God said, I was going to, I'm going to free you. And we see that historically he freed them just like he said he would. But then there's other tones of it that it talks about a day that's in our future, all of our futures. This is the day when Jesus returns and establishes this new kingdom. Many of those prophetic books are talking about that day, that glorious day. But see, if we don't understand all this, sometimes it's hard, and and, and it's hard to get through and read through, but there's so much power in these verses. I want you to understand that. And I think sometimes people can take these verses and they can, they can misunderstand and, and, and misuse it out of context, and I think that's why it's important. So I always say, start out reading through the lens of the original intent and ask yourself, what do I learn through the, about the nature of God and the character of God about what I'm reading here? And then ask yourself, what was the original purpose of this message? And then once you get there, then you allow the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh revelation for what He is saying and what He's speaking to you in that moment. That's how you ought to read it. That's how we ought to study it. I, I want to tell you this. You could write this down. 351 Old Testament prophets were already fulfilled in the life of Jesus. It was about Jesus. That means more than likely when you're reading the prophetic parts of the prophetic books, it's all pointing to Jesus as our Redeemer, as the one to come. And we're so blessed to read scripture, to read the Bible on this side of history, right? When we read it, we read it through the lens of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And it's interesting because now we have even a better meaning and a better understanding of it today than probably the original audience thousands of years ago. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 17. He says, for truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it or hear what you hear and did not hear it. Man, we are blessed to be on this side, to have the Holy Scriptures in in the palm of our hands, and to understand it all through the lens of the gospel has so much more meaning, so much more depth for us today. So that's what we have. So now in the context of what we're reading today that I'm going to unpack in the next couple of weeks, it comes out of the book of Isaiah. It's towards the latter side of it. It's chapter 54, the first couple of verses. And, like I said earlier, the original intent was for God to give his message to his people, the kingdom of Judah that was living in Babylonian captivity. That's the tone, that's the setting, that's the message. And what we see this, is when you study and read through what is happening here, this is one thing that stands out, and it's all through Scripture. Even as we're right now reading through 2 Kings as a church, we're seeing something here that's consistent in, in God, is that God is not silent on sin. You see that time and time again in Scripture. God is not silent on sin, especially when it's among his people. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that he doesn't just let us wander off into those dangerous places, but God is faithful to always give us a righteous warning, to always want to let us know the dangers of sin in our lives. He's always faithful to bring these these, these moments in our lives. Uh, We call it conviction where he just prompts our hearts to tell us, this isn't the way. This isn't my will. This isn't what I want for you. You know, Hebrews 12, 6 says that the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as a son. I'm so glad that God doesn't let me get away with it, that there's always that pressing on me that I know, that, that red light that just starts turning on those red flags that God's saying, this is not the way. I'm so thankful for that. He is continually doing that in my life. Now, in this passage, in this time when he would correct, when he would warn, he would do it through a person, and it was a prophet, a person who spoke for God. But today we live in a new age where God does the same Holy Spirit that was upon these prophets, speaking for God, is now in resides in us. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and also we have the Word of God. And the Spirit and the Word, they work together, and they they work through our conscience, they work through our hearts, they they work all through our bodies and understand who we are and hearing God and connecting with God. But there's also a third part of all this, and that is the body of Christ, the church. And it's those three voices in us that help shape us and guide us and lead us into the way that we're supposed to go. But here's the truth: God always warns his people to turn away from sin that easily ensnares us. And he warns us. And he tells us time and time again, he puts the prompts it on our hearts that if we keep choosing this, if we keep choosing going that direction. That we would have to uh, endure what is ahead in that direction. That's what God is trying to warn us for. And and, and us simply ignoring that voice and ignoring that call and ignoring that warning, what it does is it, it takes God, it forces God to remove his hand of protection upon us. And essentially we're asking God to withdraw his presence from us. Man, that's sad to me. It's sad to me that many people are ignoring the voice of God, ignoring the things of God, that we once we're walking with God, but yet we have allowed sin and indulged in it too much and let it trap us and, and, and pull us back, and, and now we are on our own in, in a certain way. See, God gives us free will. He doesn't force himself on us. Sometimes he lets us, well, most times he lets us walk out these decisions that we we're choosing, even if it means to put us in places that... That will bring us some harm. But I'm so glad for the grace of God, aren't you? He doesn't just leave us there, He continues to guide us and call us and woo us back. I'm so thankful for God's grace. But that's exactly what was happening right now to God's people in this moment in history, in this moment of time. And God continually sent messages and warnings through prophets to tell the people to sell them that the direction that they were going to was going to lead them to captivity. See, sin will always lead us to bondage, no matter what. No matter how it feels in the moment, it will always lead us to bondage. James 1.15 says that these sinful desires in us, they give birth to sinful actions, and the sin is allowed to grow, it brings death. That's the end of the road, right? That's the end game for that. And because of the rebellious hearts, God eventually had to remove his hand of protection, and they ended up in captivity but I want you to see that this didn't happen overnight. This happened through generations of God warning and God, and God bringing messages to them to turn, but they just continued to do their own thing. But what we see in the story of, of God and his people is that God is long-suffering, isn't he? And even though the kingdom of Judah decided not to repent and, and not to turn away and do their own thing, God never gave up on them. Aren't you thankful for that? When I read these stories, I see God's long suffering and I see that God never gives up on anyone. So he sent these prophets to remind them that he still was for them and he still had a plan for them. You know, sometimes when we read the Old Testament and we see God and through the old the lens of the Old Testament and the law, it feels harsh. It feels, it feels uh, the, the, you see the judgment and the wrath of God. And then you get into the New Testament and you see Jesus and he was full of grace and forgiveness and mercy. And you kind of wonder sometimes, you're like, wait, what happened here? What changed? Let me tell you, nothing changed. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what's the difference, Pastor Omar? It seems different to me. Well, I think sometimes when we read the Old Testament, we tend to see it through the lens of God and his people called Israel. Right, And we're seeing through the lens, but when we see Jesus through the lens of the gospel, we see it's more personal because he came in the form of man and we see his personal interactions and it just seems a little different to us, doesn't it? But it's the same God. God was still the God of, 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 of the law. He's still the God of judgment. He's still the God of mercy. He's still the God of righteousness and the God of grace. And we see this when we see the cross, right? When we look at the cross, don't we see it's God's wrath, it's God's and God's judgment, but it's also God's mercy, God's love, and God's forgiveness. All on the cross. We see all those attributes. God hasn't changed. Now, why am I telling you? Is why am I spending time? Because I think there's going to be people in your life and there's probably people that are going to bump to you about your faith and they're going to challenge you on this. They're going to say, why is there seem to be an inconsistency between God of the old and the God of the new? And you need to be ready to give an answer, and you need to understand. And when people come at me that way, and they say, what's the difference? I say, well, you know what? you got to read the whole Bible in its entirety, and you got to read it in the context of the culture of the day. Because if you read the whole Bible and you see the whole story, you actually see that there is a thread of consistency throughout the whole thing. And what is that? Is that God loves mankind. And that God is long-suffering, and that God is faithful to bring about the redemption for all people through, this, through His Son, Jesus got to read it as a whole that's why in in second peter 3 9 it says the lord is not slow to keep in his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you aren't you glad that god is patient with us not wanting anyone to perish but that everyone would come to repentance friends we all uh know this scripture john three sixteen for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life will Verse 17 is just as important. It says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, God's will has been consistent through the fall of man. It is always for the redemption of man, saving of people because he loves us. So in this Old Testament passage that we are looking at today, where the people were at, the relationship with God, what we see here is that God's will for them was to free them. But he also gave them instructions on how and what to do with their freedom. Verse 1, he says this. He says, Sing or rejoice, barren woman, you who have never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy for you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. You might be looking at it and say, where is he going? What is this? I warned you. I told you. <laughs> how's he going to explain this one? Well, you got to understand this about the Hebrew people. They were very image-driven. They, they, they understood things a lot with, with signs and pictures. And so what God has given them here is a parable. God always loves to give parables because he knows that it gets our attention quicker. And so he's comparing the nation of Judah to a woman, not just a woman, but a barren woman, not just a barren woman, but a woman who's abandoned by her husband. Now, I feel like as I was preparing this, there was something that stirred in my heart that I want to be very sensitive to anybody who's watching or here in this room that is experiencing, any couples here that are experiencing or have experienced the pain of not being able to have biological children. I, I know that pain is real, okay? I've been praying for you. I want you to know that we're praying for you. We're standing with you. We're believing with you. We're believing in a miracle. We're believing God's doing something. We're going to cover you. The pain is real. And what I wanted to be careful is I didn't want the, the, just the word barren to just be a trigger to bring feeling of disappointment, okay? But I gotta be faithful to God's word. And God's word will will bring things about that may have moments of pain in the human condition. But God gets that to us and brings his word through that so that we can understand deeper things in him. That's where this is coming from. So, my hope is that you get encouraged about the whole passage, not just get stuck on the one, okay? So, the Lord is telling them that they need to make room. Make room for the blessing that is coming, to get ready for the expansion that they're about to experience, that he has plans are greater than our plans, that where you see lack and you see barrenness, you need to remember that God is the God of abundance. That's the message here. So what does he do? He instructs them to prepare in faith. Uh, That's amazing that that's what we've been already talking about and singing about already that we need to prepare in faith to make room for what's coming and listen to the lord's instructions here he says enlarge the place of your tent stretch your tent curtains wide do not hold back lengthen your courts strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left your descendants and remember he's talking to them who considered to be barren but he says yet your descendants will dispose nations and settle in their desolate cities do not be afraid for you will not be put to shame Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood for the maker is your husband. Then you may have abandoned me, but I will never abandon you. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is the Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Now there is so much to unpack in this. That's why I wanted to take some time. But right now, this morning, I think there's just a key to all this. And that's in the very first verse. So you understand in the historical context that God sent a king, not from Israel, but from outside to come in, a Persian king, and he set the people free. He defeated their enemy, Babylon. And we know that Jesus is the final king that came, right? And he set us all free from the bondage of sin. But my prayer this week is that we would see this verse, that we, would, that we would connect with this verse, not just in its historical context, but that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is trying to say it to us as a church community through this and how we should apply this. See, our church, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, is that our church is moving into a new season. There's an old season in the past, and we're stepping into a new season. And I like to describe it as a season of winter that we just went through. that's the way I describe 2020, man. It seemed barren. It seemed like, you know, when you're in winter, leaves fall, right? Leaves go away, and and it seems barren, and you're just like, man, what is going on? That, That whole season that we just walked through, that we lived through, may have felt that way. Things might have been stripped away. Things might have went away. Things might have just felt barren. You're just like, man, I'm ready for the new, but where is it at? And yet, we learn from Pastor Kari's message a couple of weeks ago that, that, that God has to till the soil. God has to turn the soil so that new seeds can be planted. And I sense in my heart that God is saying that he took this season because we know that winter is necessary, isn't it? it it's, it's there to make room for the new growth that's ahead, for the new season that's ahead. And I believe that we are stepping into that, friends, that we're stepping into this new season and God is saying, make room. Make room because I'm doing a new thing. And he says that you need to proclaim, that you need to rejoice now, and you need to sing today because the increase is coming. Whatever that it means in your own personal life or what it means in the life of the church, but we have a reason to rejoice because God wants to make room. He's saying enlarge your tent. He wants you to stretch out your curtains. He wants to lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes because the increase is coming. i oh, should get more people excited to hear that, that that's the God that we serve. Now, unlike the nation of Judah, we're not where we're at (laughs) because of our unfaithfulness to God. Far from it. We have been faithful. We have persevered. We have pushed through. We have clung to the Lord. Why did this happen? Why did COVID happen? Some Some people are saying that it happened because it was judgment upon this nation or upon this world. I don't believe that. I believe that this happened because Jesus said it would happen in the last days. Luke 21, 11, Jesus himself says, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence. What is that? That's pandemics, diseases in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. Jesus says, these things will happen. You will have to endure this, church. There will be things, but I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will help you gather, and I will help you increase, even in the midst of this type of environment and situation. Friends, we need to be bold today. We need to be faith-filled, not fearful church, we need to understand that we serve a God who's bigger, that even in the midst of the decrease, even in the midst of these moments that feel like things are taken, that we need to understand that we serve a God of abundance, a God of the increase, a God that promises that we could thrive in this. Isn't that the history of the church? Well, we need to rise up. We need to be a church that's bold, fearless, hopeful, and faith-filled. Where's that church? I believe it's here. I believe it's us. I believe that's what God is stirring in our hearts. So how do we do this? How do we get there? How do we begin this? How do we stay focused on this? Well, the key is in this very first verse. I don't know if you see it, but it's right there, and it's worship. See, worship is not something that we're called to do from time to time. It's not the warm-up to the message. No, we were made for worship, weren't we? We are worshipers, you know there's three things that we will continue on from earth to heaven three things that we will start here that we will continue on it won't you can't take your car with you you can't take your favorite outfit with you sorry but this is what you can't take with you one of the things that you can continue doing from here to heaven is love you'll still have the capacity to love you'll still grow in love in heaven and the second thing is work you know, you'll have a job in heaven. I know some of you who are like, oh man, my idea was a big vacation resort when I get to heaven. Well, let me tell you, no, you, were, you were made on purpose for a purpose, right? And when you get to heaven, it will be satisfying. It will be the best thing because you, you're living for something that you were created for and you're going to be doing it in service to God for all eternity. That's awesome. The reason why right now you dread work is because you're experiencing it after the fall of man where he said that it would be hard to, to get fruit for our labor, but not in heaven Heaven will just be a thing that you're passionate about, that you're made for. It's going to be awesome. And then the third thing is worship. A.W. Tozer says that if you can't worship here on earth, then you'll never be prepared for heaven. You don't have to be a singer or musician or musically inclined to engage in worship. Why? Because worship is a response from our heart expressed through our body, giving God the glory. That's what worship is. And the first thing that the Lord tells the people to do when they're in captivity, he says to sing, he says to worship. The Hebrew word is rana, which means to rejoice and shout for joy. And he says, shout for joy, worship before the blessing happens. You know, for us, we can understand it says, oh yeah, rejoice and worship when the thing already happened, when you were barren, but now you have your child. That makes more sense to us. But this is interesting that God says, no, rejoice today, even though it hasn't happened yet. Why? Because I see you and you're not forgotten. God's message to his people that your current situation might feel like it's barren. Your dreams might feel like they're drifted away. But burst into song today. Shout for joy today because I am giving you something more than your heart's desire. God's message for us today is that no matter what situation you find yourself in today, you have a reason to rejoice. You can look at your situation and not deny it, but the circu- you can have confidence that his will is greater than ours. And for that reason, we can worship, right? Amen. We can rejoice. Our reason to do that is Jesus, amen? amen? He is always worthy of our worship. It's interesting to me that in this, the Lord gives them a reaction that he wants from them before he gives them the reason. And you know what that's called? That's called faith. That calls faith. So if we want our faith to grow, then we have to allow our worship to grow. If you get one thing from this message, remember that, is that worship always comes before the blessing. Worship always comes before the blessing. Now, if I had more time, I'd give you all these examples in Scripture where worship always came before the blessing. And if you are the only, if you're the person that can only worship when things are going well, if you're the only person that can worship when things things come your way, and I have to wonder where your faith is at. That's a fleshly walk, not a faith-filled walk. And we are called to walk by faith. Because when you can worship before the blessing, and that's the greatest demonstration to God of your faith in Him. So God is telling His people to make room in their heart for more expression of worship in every season. I'm wrapping up here. If I can have my guy come up and help. In every season, God is asking us to make more room. Before the blessing before the thing that when i said that when i said something's coming there's an increase coming there was probably something in your mind there was there was an answer to a prayer there was a moment of just vision that you may have had but i'm saying before that happens you need to expand you need to make room you need to stretch your faith to be able to worship with the same passion and the straight same strength right now that you will have when it comes to pass I believe that that's God's message for us. Will you do that? Will you get to that place? Because that's what it means to me to stretch our tent. To, to stretch our faith in those moments. Yeah. Some of us are sitting in that tension right now. I, I, I loved what, what, what Nate was talking about earlier. We need to stretch ourselves. We need to push ourselves. We need to exercise that muscle of faith. If we don't do that, it's just, it's just not going to increase. It's not going to grow. You know, I told you guys a couple of weeks ago when we were sharing about this, 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 this open door that what God is leading us as a church. And I was talking about how, you know, there might be a lot of reasons why people click on our stream. There might be a lot of reasons why people walk into our door, but what's going to keep them here, what's going to change lives is when they feel the presence of God in our worship and how we worship And like I said, will you be a church that will stretch that, will make room for more of that, and say, God, I'm going to express my worship no matter what with the same passion and strength every time, no matter what's going on, because you deserve it. And I'm going to believe in that. So the first thing we need to do to prepare room, to make room, is to make room for more of that in our lives. Can I have you stand to your feet if you're here in this room, if you're watching online? Just take a moment to pause and pray with us. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we make the decision today to say, God, I'm going to just worship you. I'm going to spend more time in that. Before I start clicking on the news, before I start starting my day, I'm going to pause. I'm going to respond to your goodness. I'm going to respond to your faithfulness. I'm going to believe in your word, and I'm just going to give my worship to you. I'm going to exalt your name. I'm going to express it with my body, with my voice, with my heart. And I'm just going to give that to you. But what would happen, friends, if we just start to make more room for that in our lives before we add anything else? And maybe for some of us, everything's just full. And there's just so much stuff crammed into our lives, and we don't have room for this. Will you make the decision today say, I'm going to clear the clutter Whatever that is, whatever God's revealing to you right now, will you make the decision right now in this holy moment to say, God, I'm going to clear, I'm going to let go, I'm going to move some things around, I'm going to move my schedule, I'm going to make more time for this because this is where I want it to stretch. This is where I want to increase. This is where I'm making room for you to do something. God's asking that of us. He's He's asking us, will you do this? Will you make room for more of me? Will you make room for worshiping me, what you were made to do? Now some of us, you're kind of in the same situation that I was in, trying to get that couch in. And what had had to happen, we had to knock down a wall. (laughs) Some of you might have to get a little bit into that mode to, to knock something down, to expand, to make room. So what is that? What is in the way? Well, do we listen to these warnings, to these words? Do we have sin in our life? Do we have things that we have dabbled in too much and now they've wrapped around our lives and we're in bondage? And you need to be set free from that? Do you need to turn from that and turn towards him and to his grace and fall and say, Lord, I need you, forgive me, wash me clean. God, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I repent of this thing. I know you've been warning me about it and I've just not listened and I've ignored and now I just feel like I'm stuck. If that's you right now, Will you respond to the Holy Spirit right now that's bringing that up into your heart? Can you make it right with God? I want to pray for you. Say, God, I just want to turn towards you. Turn away from that. Turn towards you. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my friend right now who's making his bold decision today. To say, God, I'm going to let go of this. I can't do this on my own, so I'm going to rely on the, on the grace and the power of Jesus through your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, and I'm going to say yes to you. And I'm going to say no to that. Help me to say this tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Lord, I pray that you would give me the strength that I'll lean on you every morning. As I worship you, I'm going to get strength to continue to say no to that and yes to you. So I pray right now, if that's anybody here, would they just surrender it to you right now? And Lord, I just pray for the rest of us, God, that we've been so busy, so caught up in all these things, but we're not making enough room for the, what matters the most. And so I pray that you stir our hearts, give us opportunity, let us seize this opportunity of each day, God, to give you the glory and the honor you deserve. It's in those special moments that you bring fresh revelation, fresh strength, fresh grace, fresh mercy. And I pray that over our church as we prepare ourselves and we make room for what you want to have and what you want to do. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So let's make room together. Amen? Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. It's so good to see you. So good to be with you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. There's plenty of ways to get connected here at Grace Church. Find us on social media by searching Grace Church Federal Way or visit our website in the link below. Have a blessed week.